Welcome to the Millennium Money Show, where you'll learn to gain control of your finances so you have the freedom to live intentionally. This podcast is dedicated to show you everything that you need to know to take money into your own hands, get ahead in your finances, become debt-free, and grow savings accounts that fund your dreams. I'm your host, Ashley, certified financial coach who's paid off over $160,000 in debt and I've helped others do the same. In this episode, we're going to talk about the fact that you just graduated, so congratulations, but you might be thinking, okay, now what? Let's talk more about that. Hello and welcome back to the Money Money Show. I am so thankful that you're here, that you're tuning in and listening. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the fact that you just graduated and you might be thinking, okay, what the heck do I do with my life now? Uh, That is very near and dear to my heart. I felt the exact same way. So you're not alone in that, that's for sure. But there's a lot of things that we need to talk about that (laughs) it'd be great if there was like a, a guide, like an exit class, here's what you do next type thing. And there's just not. So allow this to be your class. Seriously, take notes, write it down, jot things down, because I'm going to go in depth of what you need to do after you've graduated and how to get your feet under you and how to finally adult on your own in the real world. It's a crazy world to kind of step into, especially if you've been in school for 16, 17, 18 years. That's a long time to be in school. And then all of a sudden you are released into the wild and you're supposed to get a job and you're supposed to do all these other things and you just don't know how to do them. So we're going to talk about that today. I'm going to ease some of those concerns. I wish that I had listened to those podcasts after I graduated because it really would have helped. It would have helped to have somebody that walked alongside of me, had the steps and said, okay, here's what you do next. Instead of me having to figure it out on my own the hard way. So there's seven steps that we're going to go through. And that's why I need you to grab a pen and paper. You went to college, you're used to taking notes, treat this like a course, seriously. So the first step is pretty obvious, but you need to find a job. You need to actually support yourself. You can't live off of student loans anymore. Sure, you might have had a part-time job, but now you need like a full-time serious job that can pay all the bills that you're about to have, especially if you have student loans. So when you're looking for a job, you need to be mindful of obviously the degree that you got, what you're interested in, what you're passionate about, Uh, what lights a fire under you and really brings you joy and fulfillment. Now, am I saying that your job is going to be 100% joy-filled? No, no, that is not what I'm saying because everything has its downsides. You will have to do something in every job that is like, ugh, I don't want to do that. And that's okay. That's life, right? We have to pay bills. We have to pay our taxes. Those are all like, ugh, kind of things that we have to do. And so jobs are going to be the same but you want to focus on something that you can see yourself doing for a good long while. And if you can't find a job in that industry that you're looking into that you would really want to get a job in, then find something that can leapfrog your way there. Find something that might be underneath that position. Or even if you are a janitor or custodian for a job and then you can get to know people and then you can step into a higher role and then you can work your way up. There's a lot of ways to get around stuff, especially if you're a hard worker and if you're kind, people notice those things and they're more likely to give you a shot when they actually personally know who you are than to hire a stranger off the street. So that is just my little bonus tip on getting a job, getting your dream job is to start up. Obviously you can apply for the position if there's one open, but another way to do it is to start from the bottom and work your way up. 
That's how a lot of people have done it. And it's effective because you get to know people along the way and people get to know you. And that's what's important. When people get to know you, your personality, your characteristics and traits, and they might start to say, hey, I really like that person. I could totally see them in this new role. When you do apply for the job or when you do mention, hey, sir, if there's anything opening up, I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. And they will actually remember that and say, oh yeah, there is this position. There is this thing that's opening up. So keep your options open. If you don't get that dream career, the first, you know, first shot out of the gate, that's okay. It's fairly rare, honestly, that people get their dream job out of the gate. And it's usual, right? It's typical. So that is my first step. Get a full-time job. And even if it's not your dream job, you can work your way up. So it's not the end of the world. That's just like a, hey, intro, welcome to life kind of thing. It's not always going to work out how we expect it to. And that's okay because sometimes it'll work out even better. Actually, oftentimes it does. The second tip that I have for you is to really take a look at your financial situation and your new job's income. And don't forget to factor in things like retirement, health insurance, and taxes because yes taxes are a thing you have to take you have to pay taxes as a citizen especially if you're in america other countries might be different but hello welcome to america there's taxes and so when you are in your job interview and they say congratulations you've got the position here's your starting pay don't take that dollar value and say all right here's what i can afford off of you know thirty-two thousand dollars a year no <laughs> there's taxes there's retirement there's different insurances that we have to think about so take about take up approximately 15 to 18 to maybe 25 percent and just automatically set that aside to say that's essentially what gets pulled off the top for all of these different things and then whatever that number is when you're done subtracting that percentage that is what you're left with so let's do some quick math here. Let's say you get hired at about $32,000. Taking 15% off the top just automatically for insurances, taxes, uh, retirement, you're, that's $4,800. So $4,800 minus $32,000, that leaves you $27,200. Now divide that by 12 and that gives you approximately, again, all these numbers are approximate. Some jobs will have more taxes. Some jobs will have more insurances taken out of. So obviously this is all rough numbers, but on a monthly basis, you would be left with $2,266 roughly. Instead of if you just took that $32,000 number divided it by 12, that would leave you with about $2,665. Okay. So that is just another reality check for you that that face value number, there's some things that are going to be taken out. And I wish somebody had told me this early on. I would have saved myself so much heartbreak when I thought like, okay, my husband's going to make X amount of money. I'm going to make X amount of money. We're going to pay off debt in like two years because of all this money we're making. Well, actually we have to live and we have to pay rent and there's things like taxes and retirement. And then, oh, there's health insurance and right, all these things kept pulling from that big number and reality hit. And it was like, oh, we're not going to pay off debt in, in that amount of time. Awesome. I am going to be that reality check for you 
a nice reality check, I hope. It's better to hear this now than later, I think. The third step that we need to talk about here is you need to look into apartments that you can afford. If you have been in a dorm, if you have been living with your parents, it's time to move out. Obviously, that's your choice. Well, if you're in a dorm, then you don't have a choice unless you're going and getting your grad degree, but it's time to get your own place. That's just my personal opinion. And if, even if you have roommates, great. Just get into your own place. Have some freedom and flexibility. Embrace being an adult all by yourself. I think that's a beautiful thing. It might scare some of you, but there's so much to adulting that is like beautiful and embracing so much freedom that you didn't have at one point. And I just love that aspect. Yes, there's a lot of hard things that come along with adulting, but a lot of great things as well. So look into apartments that you can afford if you need to have a roommate. So for that $2,200 number, you know, you got to think about what can you afford? Your rent, you'd want to be any greater than $550, about 25% of your income. And that might be tight. So you might be in like a roommate situation, depending on what city you live in. I'm in Flagstaff, so you could not find even a room to rent in somebody's house for $550. That is definitely like a roommate situation type deal. And that's just it, right? You could, I know people who live out of their vans and love that. You could buy a van and live out of that and renovate the van and then you're not really paying rent which is also an amazing thing and then you're saving that 550 a month or you I also have known several people myself included to work out a deal with their employer and so you get free rent essentially for working a set amount of hours every week and that's also a possibility there's a lot of different options out there if your income is a little tight you just have to be a little creative the fourth tip that I have for you the fourth step in this process of adulting is you need to get proper insurances set into place. Uh, yes, we're going to be talking about insurances. Insurances are an amazing thing that everybody needs. And especially as a young adult, there's a couple that I have written out that are non-negotiable. You need to get them. And that first one is renter's insurance. So renter's insurance is an insurance that pr protects your belongings in your apartment or if you're renting a room or basically if you don't own the home you're living in, this protects your stuff. Sometimes it protects the stuff in your car, right? So if your house burns down and your car gets destroyed in the process, it also covers your car. So there's just a lot of great things about renter's insurance. And one of the benefits is that it's really cheap. I think the most I've ever paid for renter's insurance is about $25 a month. Very, very affordable. And especially when you, the stuff in your house isn't worth that much, right? <laughs> like starting out in college, about 99% of my stuff was from Goodwill on like their half off days. So I didn't have a lot of valuables, but renter's insurance was definitely a really important thing to get because if I did lose everything that I owned, I didn't have the means or the ability to replace stuff and stuff that I really need, like clothes and computers and, you know, all the things that you need for day-to-day -day living. The next insurance that you need to get is car insurance. This isn't going to be valid for all cities, especially if you live in great cities with public transportation like New York, but for where I live. I live in a really rural part of town and I have a car because it's a necessity. Car insurance, you need to get it. It is not only a law, especially in America, but it protects you and it protects people that you might get into an accident with. So car insurance ranges in price, especially with, um, with the type of vehicle that you drive. If you drive a big uh, off-road like 4x4 truck, you're going to be paying more for insurances, especially if it's brand 
brand new. I pay about $60 a month because I drive an older vehicle that's paid off and I don't need a lot covered because my car isn't worth very much. And I just want basically my, my car covered if anything happens to my car or me in my car or passengers in my vehicle. And then anything else that, right, if I hit somebody and anything that happens in that situation, they will be covered as well. So car insurance is really, really important. The next insurance that you need to have is health insurance. Health insurance is another good one. (laughs) Chances are you can get health insurance through your employer and oftentimes that is the cheaper and best method to get health insurance. If you go privately, it's more expensive um, and oftentimes not affordable, especially if you have families. If you are single and living alone and you just want to insure yourself, it's kind of cheaper, but it's still pricey privately. So I definitely recommend going through an employer if they offer that. There's also like health insurance cost share programs out there. Uh, You just have to look into what works best for you, knowing your medical history and what you are looking for and need. But health insurance is again, a non-negotiable. The next insurance that I'd recommend that you get is identity theft insurance. So (laughs) welcome to adulthood. People steal your identity. It's awesome. Uh, That's a lie. It's terrible. Um, (laughs) I've had this happened to family members. I've heard horror stories. So identity theft insurance is an amazing insurance for you to get. It's one that my husband and I both have. And essentially what happens if if somebody steals your insurance, or sorry, if somebody steals your identity, that the insurance takes over and says, we got it. So when somebody steals your identity, you have to go to all the government entities and verify that you are who you are. And that can affect your job. That can affect you getting access to bank accounts. That can affect so many different areas of your life that it turns into a nightmare that you can't get access to the money that you have access to because somebody stole your credit card information and they have your social security number and they have all this stuff and they can totally take your money from you without like, Uh, you know, you even batting an eyelash. It can happen so quickly. So you want to make sure that you are covered and identity theft insurance is usually really affordable. I think mine that I have right now is about $13. So very, very affordable and very, very worth it. If your identity does get stolen, they take care of it all because essentially what happens when your identity does get stolen, you have to treat getting your identity back as a full-time job because it takes that much effort and time to call all the government entities to get everything sorted out, to get the new paperwork and to get your new credit card number and to, you know, go through all these avenues and replace all the things that you need. It is a hassle and a nightmare and it's so much better. I would just for peace of mind, knowing that I just paid $12, $13 a month and somebody else can do that for me is just worth it in and of itself. And then the last thing I recommend that you get is life insurance. Life insurance, oftentimes again is offered through your employer if you if they have benefits get that life insurance along with any short-term long-term disability typically again offered through your employer because again that will save your booty if you ever get into a situation god forbid where you can't work and you are in a tough spot these insurances will make sure that you're covered in between wherever you're at the fifth step is to get on a game plan. And what I mean by that is you are in charge of your money. You are making money and now you're in charge of more money. And with more money comes more problems. So you got to get on a game plan. If you want to build wealth, if you want to retire one day, if you want to go to luxurious vacations and you know buy a house one day, it takes a plan in order to get there. 
So get on a plan and by plan, I mean monthly spending plan, also known as budget. You got to get on one. This is a non-negotiable. If you fail to plan, you plan on failing. And that's just the truth. (laughs) If you don't create a plan for your money, at the end of the day, you're going to realize like, oh, what did I spend all my money on? Because it's gone. And if that happens month after month after month after month, think of all of the interest, all of the, the money that you could be potentially losing if you're not investing it, if you're not spending it wisely. So get on a plan. The sixth step is to not increase your spending if you're still in debt. This is something that I see a lot, especially with recent grads. They're super excited about their new job and they want to get into a nice house or buy a nice car or get some nice clothes and they have a lot of debt still and they are just ignoring their debt momentarily because they think it's time for celebration because they got their job. I recommend holding off on like big celebrations like that because once you spend, it's hard to tailor back on that spending. Once you sign up for a car payment, which again, I don't recommend that you ever get a car payment. It's hard to backpedal on not having a car payment, especially if you want to pay off debt faster, which is key for building wealth. So take a minute, pause, get on a plan, realize how much debt you're in, and then don't increase your spending if you are still in debt. Just keep the the spending that you had in college, maybe increase a little bit in food and other areas, but not a lot. Because if you continue to spend like you're in college and you put all that extra money towards debt, you are going to sit <laughs> to become debt-free faster than ever because in college, you don't have a lot of money to spend typically. And if you continue that lifestyle, it's going to help you leaps and bounds in your future. And then the last tip the last step in this process of adulting is to save for retirement and other things that you want to do and buy. Saving for retirement is really important. If you have paid off your debt, I recommend setting aside uh, 15% of your income for retirement. Just automatically off the top, 15% goes into retirement. You don't even see it because that you're thinking about your future and your future is really important to be mindful of and especially as young adults, when you have have your whole future ahead of you, it's hard to imagine yourself in retirement age. I remember exactly what I felt like when I was thinking about what the heck am I going to do for retirement? I'm almost 30 now and I'm still thinking like, what the heck am I going to do for retirement in 30 years, you know? So it's hard to think about it when it's so far away, but it's something that we need to think about in order to have the ability to retire later and in a way that we want to live. Of course, you can start saving for retirement and at like 50, but you're not going to have a nice retirement and you might have to work a part-time job until you physically cannot anymore. And that is not ideal. So you definitely want to think about saving for retirement. And then you also want to think about saving for a nicer car or saving for a down payment on a house or going on vacations. And so be mindful of all these things and start to plan. Literally put it on in your monthly spending plan and create a game plan for your money and what you want to do with it because this is your life and you get to choose how you want to spend your time and your money. And it's completely up to you. You can spend it all on Starbucks and then not go on those dreamy vacations and you can spend it all on clothes 
clothes and not have a nice car, right? That's totally up to you. I wouldn't recommend that, right? There's You gotta be well-rounded in <laughs> a lot of things, but it's your choice and you're an adult now, so you get to make these decisions. These are just my seven steps on walking into adulthood and becoming a responsible human. These are the things that you need to do and implement into your life in order to become that responsible adult and how to walk into adulthood with ease and grace and for it to not seem so dang overwhelming. So thank you friends for tuning in and listening. I really hope this episode has helped kind of ease your concerns. Of course, in this this process, it takes a lot of phone calls and emails and you have to sign pieces of paper, but it's they'll walk you through it, right? And you can say, hey, I'm new to this. I've never done it before. And they will tell you exactly what to do. So people are really kind out there and especially if they want your money, yeah, they're gonna be really nice to you and walk you through every step because they want your money at the end of the day. So just know that it'll be okay. (laughs) Millions and millions and millions of people have done it before you. So if they've all done it, you can do it too. I believe in you, friend. And in next week's episode, we're gonna talk about, again, more insurance things and things that you need covered as a millennial. And I'm gonna dive even deeper into insurance. So if you had a question about insurance in this episode, you definitely wanna stay tuned for next week's episode. And I will talk to you then. Bye friends.